If you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. And if you're glad to be in God's house this morning, just turn to the person beside you and say, He is alive. Amen, amen. So I hope that you're glad, amen. If you're not glad, then just smile, amen. But anyway, (laughs) Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. And his head and hair were like white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him... I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I had the keys of Hades and death. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and for the inspiration of it. And now we pray, God, that you will move in our hearts and lives in such a way that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, and that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is Easter morning, and we started this week with Palm Sunday, and some of you were here this past Sunday as the children marched around with the palm branches as they were waving them, as we also had a donkey um, on campus, and I hope that you got to see Kate the donkey, and maybe got your picture with Kate the donkey. Um, Donkey, I have to say it like on Shrek, I just have to do it, but anyway, can't help it. But, uh, and then, uh, we Maundy Thursday, uh, we had an incredible night uh, uh, thinking about and reflecting on Jesus at the Lord's Supper and, and his disciples around the table and him giving them the mandate to go and to love one another as he has loved them. And then, of course, uh, Good Friday came. And at Good Friday, we talked about, uh, about what Jesus did for us and what Jesus did in us uh, when he when he died on the cross and then of course uh, on uh, yesterday was Holy Saturday and uh, some call it Dark Saturday because we sit in wait of of the promise that is to come and then on Easter morning uh, when all felt lost they go to the tomb. Now, you need to understand a little bit about uh, why the Gospels wanted to make sure uh, that you knew the details about Jesus' death. 
Because the Gospels wanted to make sure, first of all, that people knew that he was really dead. They wanted to make sure and make sure that it was clear to everybody that he was dead. And so John in his Gospel really tries to make this clear. John in his Gospel, you know, remember he tells them how that um, how Jesus was whipped and how and, and he was uh, flogged and, and, and he was beaten with rods and, and then of course that he's hanging on the cross and they, they stick a, a, a spear, a sword in his side and blood and water flows and, and how he took his last breath and then he has actually two disciples that were sort of covert disciples before the resurrection. Uh, that's Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Now if you remember, Nicodemus is the guy, he was a religious leader that came to Jesus by night and got into this discussion and Jesus says you must be born again and Nicodemus says how can I be born again? I can't go back to my mother's womb. You know, biology just does not work like that and everything and Jesus said well you must be born again of the Spirit and, and, and Nicodemus leaves. A lot of people never really think about what happens to Nicodemus but here we see that he's back because the Bible actually says Nicodemus, the one that came to Jesus by night, he returns and is a follower of Jesus. And they put Jesus in the grave. Uh, the Bible tells us that they put a stone in front of the grave entrance. And then that they put a guard there. Some scholars think that that could have been a plural. Um, so there could have been more than one guard. Could have been two. Could have been a squadron there. But anyway, on that Sunday morning, the dead Jesus, when Mary and the other Marys go to the tomb, the stone is rolled away, the, the guards are, 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 are out of commission, and, and, and the tomb is empty. And folks, our whole faith is built around that foundation. Without the resurrection, in fact, the late Dr. Billy Graham said, if I wanted to discount the Christian faith, uh, if somebody wanted to discount the Christian faith, they would, they would put their bullseye on the resurrection and try to discount the resurrection because all of it is held around that truth. And, 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 and we, it's so important for us to know that it, the resurrection happened not just because the Bible tells us it did. The Bible does tell us it did. But there were accounts of that. And even after the apostles, uh, they go to their death claiming this truth that they had seen Jesus. Paul the Apostle writes about others that saw Jesus personally in the flesh see his resurrected body. We, we see that he eats, uh, he, he eats fish. Now, I, I like fish too, amen. But the resurrected Jesus eats some fish. and So that means everybody, it's okay to eat fish, all right? All right, anyway, all right. But anyway, and I, now I wish he had eaten bacon too but he didn't but um you know that would have been awesome but 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 no he eats the resurrected resurrected Jesus and they see him eating and all of this proves that Jesus is who he said he was because if he is who he says he was and he was resurrected then what that means for us is that no grave can hold his body down. And I want to, amen. And I, I want us to understand the brevity of that this morning. So what are the facts 
that Easter gives about no grave. Let's look at that for a few minutes this morning. Number one is this. No grave, if Jesus is risen from the dead, then that means that no grave can stop God's plan. God had a plan. God still has a plan. You and I are a part of that plan. God's plan was enacted when we were created in the image of God. God's plan uh, uh, had a, a hiccup in it whenever we sin and whenever we fall from that image. God redeemed his plan, redeemed us through sending Jesus to be the Savior of the world. And what he did on that Good Friday when he died on the cross for you and for me forgives us of all of our sins, past, present, and the future. That's God's plan. But without the resurrection, God's plan would have fallen apart. You see, there were other messianic figures in those days. But the difference between them and Jesus is that when they died, they were dead. They, you could go visit their body. And all the other figures, all the other historical figures in, in, in our lives, you can go and visit their graves. Elvis, you can go visit his grave. I reckon he's a historical figure. Amen. But anyway, but uh, uh, all kinds of, you can go and visit their graves. But you know what? You go to the grave of Jesus, and the stone was rolled away, and Jesus is not there because he is alive. Amen. Listen, Paul writes this. He says, if Jesus isn't risen, then, then, then all of it falls apart. He writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Folks, the resurrection completes our faith because it completes God's plan of salvation for each and every one of us. And you know what? Sometimes there's graves that standing in the way of God's plan for us. I'm not just talking about a, a physical grave, but I'm talking about those graves in our lives that are standing in between us and where God really wants us to be. Those graves of, of discouragement, those graves of, uh, of satanic power, those graves of addiction, those graves of disappointment, all of those graves that are standing in between us and God's plan. But since Jesus is risen from the dead, no grave can stop God's plan for any one of us here. Amen? Amen. Number two is this. No grave can stand against God's power. No grave can stop God's plan and no grave can stand against God's power. Listen, that's why I wanted to use this Revelation verse because sometimes I think we've kind of come across this idea that Jesus was really kind of weak and just had the power of God every now and then or things like that and, and all and that, you know, he was this meek, weak, kind of humble Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. He was fully humble. He was fully perfect. But did Jesus get angry? Yes, he got angry. In fact, during Holy Week, after his ride into Jerusalem, one of the first things he goes and does, he goes to the temple and he overturns the tables of the money changers. I mean, he takes a whip and he overturns the tables. That does not sound like nice, nice Jesus. Amen? Like ice, ice, baby, nice, nice Jesus. Anyway, all right. Anyway, but that was bad. But anyway, but that does not sound like a nice Jesus. No. And he was powerful. 
He was powerful. In fact, you may not know this, but carpentry in those days and in that area was not done with wood. In fact, wood was used very seldom with it. Most of it was done with stone. And so being a carpenter in those days would have been lifting a lot of bricks, a lot of stone. In other words, there is a good chance that Jesus had guns. You know what I'm talking about? Not talking about shooting guns. I'm talking about like these right here. No, not like these. But anyway, I'm talking about guns. I'm talking about muscles, biceps. Jesus, though, more than that, if he has risen from the dead, he has the power. He has the power that holds the keys of hell and death. Look at what it says there in 17 and 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his face as dead. And he laid his right hand on me saying do not be afraid I am the first and the last I am he who lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen and I had the keys of Hades and of death in other words no grave can hold Jesus back can hold his body down and because of that he has the power to take away any grave that's trying to hold you back as well. He has the power. Maybe you were hurt by somebody or hurt by something in such a way that you feel like you're a nothing or you feel like you're of no value. Let me tell you something. The powerful Jesus, the one that created you, is also the one that redeemed you and the one that lives now for you. And if his power is able to raise himself from the dead, then let me tell you something. Whatever grave is holding you back, he can have control over and he can get it out of the way for you he's saying that you mean everything to him that's what he said when he went to the cross for us don't you remember father forgive them for they know not what they do even the ones that put them to death he's asking for forgiveness and when he said it is finished he meant that our sins have been wiped away and when he rose again he gives us new life over any grave that comes against us. And last is this. If Jesus is risen from the dead, then no grave can prevent God's promise. No grave can prevent God's promise. Look, the Bible is full of God's promises. And every time he fulfilled them. You remember that he gave one promise after, uh, after the flood to Noah. And he had wiped out the whole earth, all the evil on the earth with that flood, with those floodwaters. And what does he do? He gives a promise that he'll never do that in that way again. He'll never wipe out the world by water again. And he gives that promise of a rainbow as a sign of that promise that's there. And then over and over throughout the Bible, we see him make promises. We see that there's a promise of a coming Messiah we see that in Isaiah, we see that in Jer Jeremiah, we see that in Psalms. We see that that promise of that coming Messiah, we see that there's a promise that he will go to a cross and die. There's a promise that he'll die for our sins. You remember Isaiah saying the one that comes, that he will, that he, he will be despised for our transgressions and by his stripes we are healed. And that doesn't just mean healing from wounds of, of sin that means healed from disease as well by his stripes we are healed there's healing in the atonement and then he gives this promise he says you know what they, they may tear this temple down talking about not 
the physical temple, but himself as the temple. They may tear this temple down, and in three days, I'll build it again. And that's the promise that came true when Jesus was raised from the grave. And folks, he's made promises for us. He's made promises for us that because of the resurrection, we will have a new body as well. Look in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44, it says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. In other words, the body that we're in right now, that's not all there is. Somebody's saying hallelujah and, and, and all. That's not all there is. The body that we have right now is a body that, that, doesn't, that gets tired, a body that gets weak, a body that gets older, a body that loses hair in some places and gains new hair in other places. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and like the ears. You know. But anyway, but, but, but listen, folks, that's not the end of the story for us. We have a promise of a brand new body and the new life that it gives and to be with those that have gone on before us that we love so much. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's, uh, it's Easter this year has not been the easiest for me. Um, this is my first Easter without my dad and um, it's also just been a tough couple of years we, we've had a lot of death at this church, um, a couple by COVID, but most of them was not. Most of it was not. But but the the problem is is that Easter for us is uh, is for preachers sometimes really is the only hope we we really have to give because you see um, we we kind of deal with death over and over and over and. And, and then this past week, um, even this past week, I had a dear friend uh, who, only 54 years old from my previous church, she worked with our youth and helped with a lot of stuff and ran our after school and stuff. And after nine days of being diagnosed with cancer, after nine days, she went on to be with the Lord. And, um, you know, I, I told a pastor friend of mine that, he used this term, and I said, man, that's kind of how I feel right now. He used this term that sometimes it feels like we're limping toward Easter. And maybe you have felt like that. Maybe you feel like somewhere, somehow spiritually, maybe you've been limping toward Easter this year because of a lot of, a, a lot of things that maybe have come against you. But let me tell you something. Jesus has given us the true hope. That we can have. Because in John 14. And this is what we read at almost every funeral. And I'm telling you. It's my go-to. Not just for funerals. But any time that I, that I need encouragement. Listen to what he says. Jesus says this to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know what? That promise is saying that no matter how much death comes our way, that no, no grave 
is going to prevent the promises that He gives us right then. And we get to see our loved ones again. We get to celebrate with them again. And we can enjoy the new life not only in the hereafter but in the here and now. We can enjoy that kind of resurrection power because He has risen from the dead. Amen? We have that promise this morning. There's a, a story that was told by, by Dr. Bill Boknight, and, and he would tell the story of uh, that every Christmas and every Easter, uh, the Sunday before Christmas and then on Easter Sunday, the choir there at Christ uh, Church in Memphis, Christ United Methodist Church in Memphis, the choir there would always um, sing the Hallelujah Chorus. And um, that's from Handel's Messiah. And of course, everybody would stand and sing it along with the choir. And, and they said that there was this, he said that there was this young man that had been in the church for years, and his name was John Michael. And he said, John Michael, he had men, mental incapabilities and, and mentally handicapped. And, and, but John Michael, every Sunday when they would sing that song, would come down the aisle, would stand with the director, and would stand there in the middle of the aisle and help conduct the choir. He would just help conduct the choir on that. And, and yes, he was usually not in tune and probably not in rhythm, but he would just, he would conduct the choir every time. And he said, and one day John Michael had some complications and passed away and went on to be with the Lord. And he says, now, he says, I cannot hear that song without thinking about John Michael standing there, conducting that choir. And he said that what, what I believe is that when he got to heaven, he said, I have to believe that every time that that angel band and the angelic choir sings that song, is that John Michael probably asked for Jesus let me have the baton slide over and in the most perfect in the most in rhythm way he conducts that heavenly choir and lets them know hallelujah folks we have that promise as well and whatever grave may be standing in your way today we need to ask for God's help with His power to remove it in whatever way it's standing in our way. Now, maybe you're here and maybe you're like, Tim, this, kinda, this is kind of new to me and everything. I'm, I'm not sure what I'll... Look, I just, just invite you this morning to just step across the line. That line that just says, you know what? Instead of me thinking about and taking care of myself, I'm going to... I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to turn it over to Him. And this morning, I pray that that's what we'll do. Because when we turn it over to Him, then it's under His power, and it's according to His promise that no grave can stop His plan for your life. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank You right now, God. Lord, we pray that You will just move in a mighty and awesome way. Lord, that You will... Maybe there's somebody here that feels like there's certain graves that's standing between them and your plan, between them and your promise. 
Lord, I pray right now that you will just allow your power to move in such a way, God, that we will know the fullness of it. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that simply needs to say, Lord, I want to receive you as Lord and Savior, and I, I, I want to live for you. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I don't know all the details, but I do know that I'm a sinner and I messed up. And Lord, that I want you to forgive me of those sins. And I, I just, by faith right now, Lord, I want to follow you. And if there's anybody in here that simply need to do that, right now, Lord, in, their sil in the silence of their hearts, let them just say yes. Now, Lord, help us walk in that victory that you give us on this day. In Jesus' name, amen.